This is a HeadGum Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this special Black Girl Nerds podcast extra of Star Wars The Last Jedi, featuring press conference and interviews with the cast. Star Wars The Last Jedi, also known as Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, is a space opera film written and directed by Rian Johnson. It's the second film in the Star Wars trilogy, following Star Wars The Force Awakens. The film is produced by Lucasfilm and distributed by Walt Disney Studio Motion Pictures. It stars Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Adam Driver, Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, Lupita Nyong'o, Dom Hall Gleason, Anthony Daniels, and Gwendolyn Christie. And new characters featuring actors Kelly Marie Tran, Laura Dern, and Benicio Del Toro. The following podcast features one-on-one interviews with Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega. And there will be a press conference featuring all of the cast at the last segment of this BGN Podcast Extra. Star Wars The Last Jedi comes out this week, Friday, December 15th. Enjoy! segment features actress Kelly Marie Tran, who plays the role of Rose Tico. Hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> so this is your first, like, major motion picture, but you've done work with College Humor before. Yes. Um, YouTube video, uh, um, YouTube series. Yeah. And things. Um, I work at the New York Film Academy, so I'm always working with... Oh, yeah? I've yeah. got student films there. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Get all kinds of people coming through. Yeah. Um, I was wondering kind of what the experience going from making your own work or working these really small crews to something this large, what was that transition like? You know, uh, when I initially got the role, I was horrified. (laughs) I was so scared. Um, But I think everyone has been kind of saying this across the board, and I I do think it's true. The way that Ryan runs his set does feel like you're kind of making a movie with your friends in someone's backyard, and you're not under any of this pressure to be anything. Um, which is such an incredible thing. It's just so much about him and so much about his crew and, and so much about the way that that set was run. I felt comfortable enough to be able to play and to really uh, be vulnerable. Uh, and that that is like an actor's dream, I think. Um, and I think across the board from working on really small things to working on this, this, the thing that has remained true throughout the entire thing is that people just really love if you're getting into this industry to make any sort of content you really love it because you know how insane it is and how hard it is um and that passion is something that I have seen all the way through so definitely you are now kind of inspiration for millions of people just because look at your face oh my god (laughs) You're, you're breaking boundaries in in Star Wars for so many of us defined not just our childhoods, but our teen years, our adult years. It's a, it's a huge aspect of our life. You met, um, I don't know if you actually got a chance to meet her, but Laura was in the audience last night. Oh, um, yeah. Laura's I've met a- her before. I, she's 
so adorable. Laura's a great friend of Black Girl Nerds. We love really? her, too. That's yeah. amazing! Her costume's amazing. She's stunning, and she's so about Rose. Uh, and I, I guess I just wanted to ask you, what is it, have you gotten a chance to interact with more fans like that? And, and what is it like to kind of, I don't want to call it a burden, but it it must be a huge responsibility. It absolutely is. I mean, I feel like it's both an honor and a responsibility at the same time. It's sort of this double-edged thing because... Honestly, I mean, obviously, I'm so proud and I'm so happy to be here. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, I am a, I'm a person of color. Like, I just, that's just who I am. And, and the fact that I'm in this movie means so much to people who have been starved for so long to see someone that looks like them in anything like this. And I get the um, sort of gra- gravity, is that the right word, of that, of that feeling? Because I grew up with that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's a big responsibility and I hope to do it justice in whatever way that I can. Um, so yeah, I do, I do think about that a lot actually. Definitely. What kind of physical preparations did you have to do for the role? You were saying during the Q and a that a lot of the women in here are kicking butt and are really amazing. Was it a physically trying role? Oh yeah. 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 We all had the same trainer. So like he was putting us all through the same training and I definitely went uh, to the stunt team and learned so much from them. I will say that because of their expertise, if you watch that stunt training video that just came out, I really look like I know how to fight, but I am not an athletic person. So that says so much about them that they were able to teach me like clumsy old me how to to, like (laughs) actually fight. Um, Yeah. Who was most impressive in those training sessions? Um, well, a lot of times it was like separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, oh man, I mean, I think if you could see what Adam and Daisy can do, it's pretty friggin' incredible. Yeah. Super awesome. I read that you were thinking about leaving acting before you got this role. Um, I'm wondering just about maybe what you would tell a slightly younger version of yourself about perseverance. Yeah, I think that um, anytime you're doing something that is difficult or that seems impossible or is out of your grasp, there are moments of doubt. And I think that that is a normal human experience. Um, I don't think there's ever a person that that is trying something hard that doesn't think about giving up. Mm -hmm. Uh, That being said... I think that it's really important to find a reason, some reason to keep going in those moments. Um, I personally know that for me, my reason has always been my parents (laughs) and my family. I feel like I have the response, not the responsibility, but I feel like I've always felt like from the very beginning that I've had to live for many generations of life because my parents never had the ability to have a dream even. Mm. What they were working for was they came from a different country. They came here and they wanted me to have the gift of choice. That's a gift that I think a lot of people don't really realize is a luxury. A lot of people in the world are working to get food and somewhere to live and safety. And, and, um, those are things that for me, because of my parents and their parents before them, I was born with. So I knew from the very beginning that if I was not pursuing something I loved, if I wasn't living my life um, in a true, authentic way, if I wasn't happy, then I would be doing them a disservice because they fought this entire time. And if I was just wasting that by doing something I didn't want to do, it would be such a waste of everything. 
Absolutely. You said that you believe in dreams and that's something you've always believed in. Uh, where does that come from and what is your new dream? <laughs> um, I think I think that um, I've always believed in dreams because I've always been <laughs> um, influenced by a lot of the stories that I saw um, and a lot of the movies that I saw. And I, I've always loved movies like The Goonies or like yes. Hook or E.T. and these movies that kind of have like some sort of magical element, but um, usually they have this sort of weird group of, of kids that kind of rise up to some sort of challenge and are able to over, overcome that. Um, and then you, I started to realize, I was like, wait, there are people making these movies. Like, they're not just things that, like, fell from a different <laughs> world. Um, and I have uh, stories, I think, above all else. Like, storytelling has been the one true love story in my life. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do that. And if I have another dream, it's to eventually write and produce and direct my own stuff. Yes, so, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah. So then, I guess, what... First of all, that's just amazing. I love when I when I meet um, creators and actors who are like, you know, I think I'm gonna make my own one day. Like this is fun, yeah. this is amazing, but yeah. I have stories to tell too. What kind yeah. of stories would you be interested in telling? <sighs> I mean, I don't like limiting myself in, in mm. terms of like what type of genre, but I, I do think that I would like to see different types of people and different types of stories that we haven't seen before. Um, I. I mean, like we already talked about, I um, <laughs> I grew up knowing what it was like to be not represented, and I want eventually for every type of person in the world to feel like they're represented. I think that um, if people spent a lot less time wanting to be like someone else, I think the world would be an amazing place and more productive and more incredible. And I think part of that is that when you're a really young kid and you're watching movies and you're reading books and you're watching TV shows, you want to be like the people in those things. And if you don't see yourself, then you spend so much time. I know I did wanting to look like the people that are in those things. Cause then suddenly it meant that your story was valid, that you could do these things. And the kids on the playground wouldn't put you in a certain role every time you showed up. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think that I want to be part of that change. Definitely. So. Yeah. Do you want to question? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's make it a good one then. Uh, <laughs> you were, uh, like a Star Wars fanatic before you got uh -huh, started. Uh -huh. What have you learned about the series since then? And um, maybe what kind of surprised you about the fandom? Um, what surprised me about the fandom, I think, is how supportive. Like, no one's really seen me in this movie yet, but so many people have showed me so much support and I was talking to Mark Hamill about this too. Like just the idea that it's this overwhelming type of undying support that I hope that I can live up to and I hope that I deserve it. You know, it's just like this crazy thing that you just realize how much bigger Star Wars is than any one person involved because it truly means so much to generations of people. Um, I think I'm still trying to come to grasp of that reality. Uh, and in terms of what I learned about the franchise, I think just watching those original films and seeing how incredible they are. And also, they were made 
77. So uh, what is that? 40? Yeah. 40. Mm. Yeah. We just had a celebration 40 years. Yeah. And they still hold up and thinking about making that type of movie back then before anything like that was made and how historic that was. Um, it's like, how can you not respect something that has been groundbreaking from the beginning and continues to do so? And I saw this movie, so I can say that I do think, um, I do think that we kind of continue in that tradition in terms of being groundbreaking in this movie as well. Well, I know we haven't had a chance to see the movie yet, but I know that, uh, if even a tenth of this energy is brought to Rose, we're all going to love her. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for Thank you so time. much. It's so great to meet you. It's really lovely to meet you, Kelly. Thank you. Actor John Boyega, who plays the role of Finn. The typical questions. I wanted to ask you, not trivia, but just some Star Wars questions okay. based off of your fandom. Okay. Mm-hmm. So first, if you could pick two droids to fight in a battle royale, okay. who would you pick and who would win? Two droids to fight. Yeah. Any of the droids from the Star Wars, like any of the Star Wars movies. Uh, oh, uh, BB-8 mm-hmm. uh, versus the new one, BB... BB-9 ear? BB-9, yeah, yeah. The, the evil First Order one. I want to know what happens when they go at each other, when they when they go against each other. That'd be super dope because they're both like rolling around they're and stuff. And they both have the ability to take control of other bigger machinery. Oh, snap. Because they're droids, like, they're like natural droids. They go in the X-Wings and... I never even thought of like outside exactly. of an arena. What could they? What could they actually do? Imagine an arena, and then you had like AT and Ts on the side, yes. and they had the option of running towards them, getting at each other, and they can call a hero based on who they know. Black one knows um, Kylo Ren. Like a tag team match. Yeah, I like the way you think so Man, large. Really That's amazing. Really dope. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite cinematic battle in the Star Wars history? A favorite cinematic battle. Yeah. I do in The Last Jedi. Yo, I can't you say what it is. Yeah. That's really I swear to you, I swear to you, it's my, my absolute favorite. That is... It's my absolute favorite. That is huge, stiff competition and mm-hmm. a great reason to go see the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best space vehicle to be driven around in? It's not a drive, but to like just cruise in. A standard speeder. Is, oh. is, yeah, a standard speeder is fine. How is that better than like the X-Wing? Well, the X-Wing, you can't go to every single planet because they know that you work for the Resistance. Right, right. So you, you don't get leeway. Everybody's going to be looking at your ship when you put it down. They're going to come and smash it up, those who don't agree with the Resistance. So it's best for you to have a standard speeder. Okay. Park up your X-Wing a few miles away, and then, you know, take the speeder downtown and do some space shopping. Low-key, low-key. Low you make a great Resistance spy. <laughs> um, who is the best Jedi Master and why? Yoda. Yoda is the best because Yoda seems to have kept his history a mystery. Uh, His force-sensitive powers hasn't ever led him to the dark side. So he's kept it consistent his whole lifespan, which is thousands of years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So he's done pretty much a really good job. And then it took forever for him to die. Exactly. And, And he didn't die in combat before right. when he went up against Emperor Palpatine like he really was was doing his thing and he died when he wanted to that's a really solid like he decided to die in that bed like mm, alright fine like this is it I yeah. passed along the torch and we're good um okay so if Finn were force sensitive mm. 
who he chooses his Jedi Master? Who would he choose as his Jedi Master? I think he'd find Mace Windu. <laughs> I think he'd find him. <laughs> I think it would be I think, so awesome. I think he'd, yeah. See, see where my brain's going with all this. I think, I think he would find Mace Windu. Because you don't obviously. think Mace Windu died either. I don't think he died, man. Oh, there's no way. He's way too badass. You float yeah, out the come on, man. He, there's no way he died. I just think he's got into hiding, but I definitely think he'll get into he, He'd find Mace Windu and get trained. Definitely. Yeah. What color would his uh, saber be? Um, I think that Finn would be the first character to have a saber that's shorter than than, than the rest of them, oh. but two. Just okay. Like two, in his, two in his hand in the cinematic universe. I love that. So kind of two. like a soga, but shorter. Yeah, but shorter, shorter than that. Interesting. Why go with the short ones? As because to when you start doing really all of that, and then you can join it together, and make a one. I love it. I love it. So, okay. You, John, mm-hmm. living in a galaxy far, far away. Are you a bounty hunter, a Jedi, part of the Empire? Wow. I would have done work experience at the Empire. Dropped out at a very young age when it wasn't too harmful to. And then I, I, I would have owned my own bar. Okay, yeah. what kind of stuff are you looking to learn early on in the Empire? Um, I, think, I think I'm just going there for the credits. <laughs> for the credits? <laughs> It's a big industry. Like they even have dry cleaning services it's in, in the Empire now. Did you know that? I did not know that. And that is canon. There's, there's a there's dry cleaning. You can work in from dry cleaning to transport. Um, we don't know about entertainment section. What what they do for entertainment, but there are various jobs you can do. So I think I think I'd work in that area and then and then drop that. I love that. Um, at the end of the Empire Strikes Back, do you believe Anakin um, redeems himself, or are his crimes inexcusable? His crimes are inexcusable, but because yeah, there's there's no even though he's redeemed himself in that moment, I still felt feel like he brought balance to the force, but in a negative way. Mm. So he he st- he got to go. He's still that guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, which non Jedi being has been the most influential to the rebels? To the rebels, ooh, well, General Akbar's one. He's been very very influential. Uh, Leia, of course. Force sensitive in a different way. Definitely. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Okay, so now I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, in your THR roundtable, you mentioned that you had trouble with the scene in the circle, mm. which is ultimately due to scheduling conflicts. And I work five jobs, so this really yeah. resonated with me yeah. as a millennial. And we had can't do one job; we have to work a lot. Yeah. Um, what changes have you made since then to try to not have that problem again? And mm. what advice do you have to people struggling? Um, trying to balance their incredibly busy lives? Well, I think the, the big massive thing is organization is the thing that is just the hardest to, to pinpoint. I think it's worth writing things down. What I've done is, uh, my, actually, my, my boy took me to an office store just to get those sticky papers that you can put on your wall. Oh, yeah. And basically, what you can do is separate your life into specific categories. So, work, relationship, family all those several different things and then you just pinpoint the things that you have to do date them schedule and just follow through your own timetable so that you can just have peace of mind but then at the same time also what I had to learn is that that's the industry I work in the schedule sometimes will slap you up it's all about what you what you do after that so what's the best way to respond then when you do kind of get slapped up I think the I think 
hurt properly. Like, get hurt, you know, properly. You know, like, go through that. Get the anger out. And get back on the horse, to be honest. You need to, to get back on it. And the schedule, the schedule will never change and you still want your goals. So you're going to have to fight eventually. Definitely. Um, during the uh, Q&A, Ryan Johnson called you the biggest Star Wars fan he knows. Um, that feeling <laughs> is really tangible um, throughout your series. We've seen you talk to people. I was wondering if there's a moment that you've shared amongst other fans that has been really important or um, influential to you. Hmm. I remember when I was in a, a line at the airport about to go through customs and this little girl um, came up to me and she asked, she said, Mr. Finn, is your back okay? And I kind of looked at her like, oh. Then I looked up at her mum and her mum was just like, you better lie to my child. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, my back's okay. I'm good. And she was like, oh, thank you so much. She walked all the way back, little cute thing. It was so sweet to see that. That was the fun reaction, interaction to me. That was just just caring and making sure you're okay. That's I really just like the sweet. fact that her mum was like, you better lie to my child. I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to hear the last of this tonight. <laughs> I love that you're, you're willing to go there with the kids. I think that's super important. Yeah, they see the character and the character alone. It's cool. So how has being in stars, going from a fan to being like an active part of it, has the magic, you know, you've seen behind the curtain, has mm. the magic at all diminished for you or is it heightened? It's heightened. It's heightened big time because you get to you get to experience something that you're heavily involved in. But also, Star Wars has various different sections that I'm not involved in. But I'm getting there though. You know, like in terms of the video game, the the comic books, and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it the the universe is expanded across different platforms of entertainment. And so I still get to experience some of that. I mean, I remember when I walked into my den the other day and my Millennium Falcon was chipped. No! The, yeah, it was chipped at the front. I brought, I had to question the whole household <laughs> doing detective work. Did you discover who it was? Yeah, I did. And what happened? There's my best friend, Stefan. Oh no! Yeah. It was, oh yeah, I was walking through, I was trying to do some cleaning and I nudged it and it fell. It's like, you should have told me earlier. He glued it back there. It's all good. That's sweet. Yeah. Um... I guess moving forward, you've got, at the very least, one more Star Wars film. Mm -hmm. um, are there any, like, roles specifically you're looking forward to taking on after this? Or are you still kind of fully submerged in the Star Wars world? I think I've, I've, been, I've been blessed because I, I've, been, I've been given the opportunity to do other movies while I've been doing Star Wars. I, I made a point to do that early on, not to wait for the trilogy to be over and then go into something else. So movies like Detroit and Pacific Rim are, are various examples of me just stepping out and experiencing other things and doing things around the Star Wars universe. And it's nice to be able to have that, that option. And now I'm at a point where I've got like six scripts to read mm. and I need to choose which one I'm going to do. Well, Black Girl Nerds is super excited to see whatever it is you do next. Uh, we've been really excited to play you in Star Wars Battlefront. Oh, I know. Oh, I amazing. Did you see that image <laughs> I of did. him just walking out? I was just like, this is it. It's I can't on. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. Thank so much. you. Our final segment is a press conference of Star Wars The Last Jedi, hosted by Entertainment Weekly writer Anthony Brenzikan. This features most of the cast and filmmaker-writer Rian Johnson. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the press conference for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, 
I feel like I know almost everybody here, but uh, my name is Anthony Bresnikan. I, I write about Star Wars for Entertainment Weekly. Uh, I'll be your moderator today, uh, but this isn't so much about me asking questions. This is your time to ask questions of the cast and uh, writer-director Ryan Johnson. The, the only uh, rules that I was asked to, uh, to pass along, you, obviously you're all journalists, so you're here to record and capture this in, in any way you like, uh, but just not to use flash photography. I guess because that's uh, disruptive to everybody else's uh, recording of the presentation and the panel. Uh, and also don't, uh, don't tag the location because they're, you know, they want to make sure that, uh, that we don't get uh, overrun. So otherwise, I hope you uh, come up with some good questions. Again, my, my job, I'll ask a few sort of opener questions to warm everybody up. Uh, I, hopefully they're things that all of you uh, or everybody would want to know. Um, but otherwise, my job is to be... Uh, uh, just the, the moderator, the, the, the traffic cop, whatever the galactic version of a traffic cop is. I'm, I'm Constable Zuvio, really. And, uh, and just like Constable Zuvio, once you guys get rolling, you, uh, you won't even know I'm here. So uh, we're going to bring out our cast, and uh, they are flanked by some very special guests from The Last Jedi. Please welcome them. The Praetorian Guard and the cast of The Last Jedi. Yeah, move along, move along. <laughs> they will be ejecting anybody who makes trouble. So uh, that, that goes for John Boyega too. Yeah, man. All right, so uh, I'm going to bring them up one by one. We're going to begin with Ryan Johnson, the writer director of The Last Jedi. Mark Hamill, you know him as Luke Skywalker. Daisy Ridley. AKA Ray, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron, yes. John Boyega, Finn, hey. Kelly Marie Tran, the new character, Rose Nico, Laura Dern, who plays Admiral Holdo, yeah. Donald Gleason, uh, General Hux, Wendell Tracy, as Captain Phasma. Woo. And Andy Serkis as himself. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to the press conference, guys. Thank you all for being here, uh, joining together in one place to talk about this movie, which uh, you guys have seen, but they have not. But they have a lot of questions for you. Uh, I'll, I'll begin with one that I, uh, that I hope you can all chime in on, and that's just the, the tone of this movie. This is uh, a sequel to The Force Awakens, but it's also episode seven in a series. So Ryan... Uh, what would you say differentiates The Last Jedi from The Force Awakens, but also The Empire Strikes Back as a second chapter in a trilogy? Well, I, uh, and first of all, thank, thank you guys for all coming. This is very, very exciting. Uh, I, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a second movie in a trilogy, and I think we've been kind of trained to expect it'll be a little darker, and obviously it looks a little darker. And it, 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 the thing is, though, it... it for me, I loved the tone that was that um, of the original films, and also that JJ ca captured in The Force Awakens of fun. And that's like to me, it's a Star Wars movie. First and foremost, we were trying to make it feel like a Star Wars movie, and that means you have the intensity and you've got the opera, but it also means that it makes you come out of the theater wanting to run in your backyard, grab your spaceship toys, and f make them fly around. You know, and that's a key ingredient to it. So. 
So we're going to go to some intense places in the movie, but I, I hope also it's fun, it's funny. I don't know, you guys have... You've seen it. Yeah, you guys have seen it. <laughs> uh, well, Back, well, for, yeah. for some of the cast who is in The Force Awakens, how would you say the, this film uh, feels differently? Hmm. My answer will be in direct proportion to the amount of screen time I have. Yes! <laughs> 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 it's like a whole other movie. <laughs> Oh, guys. Um, John, how about you? Um, sorry, what's the question? Question is, uh, how would you say this film uh, feels different from The Force Awakens? What sets it apart from from that film? I just think that the the story's the story's moving moving forward. Um, I just feel like the JJ had a, a blueprint, a foundation of Force Awakens that was pretty good, and uh, now it's about yeah, it was it was good, and now it's about you know moving forward with the story and um, just challenging the characters, and then all the characters are under intense. Um, um, pressure, and so it's a, it's a timing which everyone has their own specific reckoning, and it's all different. It's like a lot going on. I've only watched it once, and the first thing is that I want to watch it again because of the amount of information and Easter eggs in there as well. Yeah, I think the thing uh, as well is that with um, often with the second chapter in, in a story of three, because the first one kind of sets the tone and the world and the new characters. Uh, it introduces them in the second one. You get to, you don't have to spend so much time doing that. You can really just delve into, uh, into the story, into what's happening. Like John said, to the conflict of each of the characters. I think what Ryan's done so incredibly well is that he's challenged deeply every single character, including the droids. <laughs> you know, with like the, the biggest challenges they've ever faced, and and that's how you're able to really get to to learn about them on, on all sides of the spectrum, from light to dark. You know, it's like uh, he, he's found a way to get to the central, uh, the central point of that character and try to challenge them as best as he can. And I think it's a really, uh, really amazing what he's done. Daisy and Adam, do you have any thoughts on uh, how the film feels differently? <laughs> I agree with that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me when I read the script, because, you know, there's, even though you try and avoid what people are saying, uh, the, it's hard to. And um, because people responded well to John and I as a team, I was a bit nervous about not being a team so much in this one. So I think for me personally, it was more, it was a challenge. Um, the film was a challenge, and it was, I, I don't know what it was like for anyone else, but to be indifferent. Uh, combinations of people so in itself we're already you know we're in different situations we're with different people that we are learning about we're meeting uh, for the first time so um, yeah felt pretty different for me let's hear from the the bad guys uh, the bad kids always sit in the back at the front. <laughs> uh, uh, Donald uh, Gwendolyn Andy uh, any thoughts on on just the tone that uh, how this movie uh, it distinguishes itself among all the different Star Wars films I mean, I, I was blown away when I saw the movie. I just was so caught up with it, not, not least because it was really intimate and very emotional, and I wasn't expecting that at all. I mean, I, mean, I knew, obviously, that it, would, that it was going to go that way, but it's very, very powerful, and it touches you. And what Ryan's done incredibly is made this dance between, the, the, you know, tonally dance, you know, between these great kind of epic moments and, and hilarious antics, you know, literally flipping on a dime and, and, then, and then going right into the heart of, of, of these beautiful characters and, and, and you really caring. And I think that, that was, for me, I think has been, you know, that, that was, that's my, was my takeaway. It was just an extraordinary 
um, viewing, you know. I, uh, I was so, I was delighted by the film. And what I was surprised by was that Star Wars has always been, I think the reason why it's resonated with us all so deeply is that it's our foundation story of good against evil and where that balance is and how we see elements of characters we've never seen before, things that can be unexpected. But there is something about this film, and I think it's because the world that we, we live in is a, is a changing and evolving place, that it retains the simplicity of those elements, but it, it really resonates with what it is to follow your own human, dark, narcissistic tendencies, where that will take you. Mm. Um, and, and I love that. It, and it's, it's done so beautifully, aesthetically, too. Mm. I, I didn't go to the screening, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had a thing. Yeah. No, I don't know. I I, I'm excited you're going to see you, it. You're uh, in the movie. Any, uh, any sense for just performing in it? Uh, um, no, that's why I wanted, I wanted to wait and see it with a huge crowd and see it um, the way I saw the, uh, the Force Awakens, which was just with a load of people losing their minds. But then I heard these guys lost their minds, so I was kind of annoyed I didn't go. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk to some of the, the newcomers to the Star Wars universe, and that includes you, Brian. You're, you're the boss, but you're also the new kid, in a way, coming yeah, into this I'm film. like the new boyfriend at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, from what we've all, we don't know a whole lot about Admiral Holdo, but we know she's kind of the new boss. She's a, a, a new leader in the Resistance. Is there a little bit of your, you in Admiral Holdo? Oh, much so. I would be... Thrilled if there were. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Dern could represent any part of me in life. I would be thrilled. <laughs> uh, yeah, Holdo. I mean, I. I mean, Laura. I've been wanting to. You know, it, it's a dream to just to get to work with her and um, the character that she plays in all of its glorious purple-haired wonder. Is, uh, uh, we were really able to dig in and do some really exciting, fun stuff. I, I, and Laura, I know that like at, at the moments on set where like suddenly you would like catch my eye and you would say, "This feels like we're making an independent film." Like those were the moments that I was like, I, "Yeah, it kind of does," and I think that feels really good. And that kind of intimacy of the process, I think. Um, I don't know. If, if Laura Dern's telling you that, then, then you may be on the right track, I guess. But yeah, so, I mean, I hear, so. uh, Kelly and Laura, I mean, I know you're there to do a job and be professional, but is there any part of you that geeks out a little bit when you start working on a Star Wars film? <laughs> <laughs> Every part. Every part. I'm trying not to cry right now because this is so weird and different. Um, yeah, I feel like Ryan has said this before, but it definitely feels like you have to find a way to just do the work and and kind of block everything out, but then C-3PO comes up and you're like, oh, good. <laughs> 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 so you're, you're constantly figuring out how can I figure out how to work in this environment, and then you're like, but also this is awesome. So it's kind of a balance, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and just to add to that, uh, what... Ryan spoke to uh, that he does so beautifully as well as as Andy was describing the the intimacy of discovering each character's conflict which is just extraordinary given the enormity of the cast um, that he gave us that in the experience of the workplace and it, it was shocking and Oscar and I always talked about just the the 
how stunned we were that we were in such a massive environment and did feel like we were, you know, making a indie movie and you were always encouraging us to try things and explore character and explore this duality of the light and the dark within characters um, the movie speaks to so beautifully, not just that there are alternative universes, but that that lies within, which seems to be the, uh, the place that George Lucas first started, the mythology of that, and it's just so brilliant. And a group of us sitting together watching it for the first time <laughs> was amazing because it was like we were with 3,000 people. We and were standing, standing, standing up, up crying. Donald, you hear that? Donald, you missed, no, you missed yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're happy. I want to ask, uh, ask Donald and Adam about um, your two characters, Hux and, and, and Kylo Ren, uh, had a really interesting relationship in The Force Awakens that I, I, I understand is expanded on in this movie, where, uh, where Snoke sort of plays them against each other. They're allies, but not really. I wondered if you two uh, could talk about uh, their, their, their bond or lack thereof. Uh, as we enter this film? Um, I, th I think it's definitely, uh, there's a competition, and it's maybe yet to be discovered where that comes from. Uh, I, I mean, if anything, I think that's more of a testament to kind of what everyone has been saying of um, uh, Ryan's inability to not mind the um, character in every moment, which seems like an obvious thing, but he um, doesn't, so, he knows that spectacle it won't mean anything if you don't care about anything that's going on, which, yeah. again, seems very obvious, but I think it's a really hard thing uh, to balance with this many moving parts in, this, in the scale of something like this. It's, um, so I, I, I love playing those scenes, especially with Donald, because he's a great, a great actor, and there's no, nothing is kind of taken for granted where, um, you know, oh, this happens and, and it moves on. If anything, Ryan... Um, slows the pace and when, there's not a moment that's taken for granted. It's always broken up into little pieces and the story in our mind uh, comes first before uh, an explosion. <laughs> Is there like a corollary in our world to the relationship that they have? That's dangerous water. Okay. I don't want to do it. I think I think the like rival co-workers or brothers. Nobody. Oh, I see. Um, I don't know. I, I just I think it's funny. You know, like the, there's just such a huge amount of drama going on in that group of people, but then also just a huge amount of bitchy infighting as well, which I think is <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's really fun to see them kind of really hurt each other from the inside as well as. Uh, from the outside, you know, the United Front thing is uh, is difficult for them sometimes. But I, it was just, uh, yeah, I'm not good. Sorry, I think, you know, it's just a privilege to be in the, in the film. It's very good. I, I think we'll open it up then to the audience for some questions. And uh, just raise your hand. We have some microphones that are going around. And I'll, I'll try to call on as many of you as, as we can get. Wow, that's a um, there are lots of folks out there. Uh, let's ask uh, this gentleman right here with the goatee. Yeah. Uh, my question's for Mark Hamill. With Luke training Ray in this movie, it seems like he's in the position Yoda was with Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. Is it sort of like when your parents say you'll understand when you're older? Does he finally <laughs> learn some of Yoda's lessons now that he's the teacher? 
We are assuming that I train Ray. Exactly. <laughs> Sneaky. Do I? Sneaky. I know, I have to be really careful. People say, was it difficult to uh, pick up and wield a lightsaber again? And I go, do I? Was <laughs> <laughs> it difficult acting in this movie? <laughs> Am well, I in this movie? <laughs> I can promise you my part is twice as big as it was in Portland. <laughs> <laughs> What's two times zero? <laughs> a question there in the back. The Richard in the R2-D2 jacket. Bold choice. <laughs> I like it. Whoa, that's a cool jacket. Thank you, Anthony. This question here is for Mr. Johnson. I'm Rich Woloski from Skywalking Through Neverland. I love you all, but this question is for Mr. Johnson. You had said that a lot of the visual cues for The Last Jedi were going to be taken from The Empire Strikes Back. What aesthetic really spoke to you about Empire, and what shot did you really want to replicate oh. from the Empire Strikes Back? Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh. It's 4 a.m. <laughs> you don't have to go home, but you Thank can't you stay much. here. Thank you. They're all week. Last call. Last call. Something like that. so dramatic. So, once again, what about the visual yeah. cues from the Empire Strikes Back yeah. really spoke to you? Well, I mean, my cinematographer, Steve Yedlin, who I've been best friends with since I was 18 years old, we met in film school. And so to be standing next to each other on a Star Wars set was pretty surreal. But we, I mean, I think Empire is, the, you know, I think it's just the most beautiful. Um, I mean, all the films are beautiful. I think for my just taste, I think the cinematography in Empire is the most gorgeous of the whole series. And so Steve and I looked at the lighting in that it's also kind of the most it's pretty daring in terms of how dark they were willing to go with some of the, literally dark, and how gorgeous they, were, they went with some of the choices they made with the shaping of the lighting. Um, but then in terms of like an actual visual aesthetic, I, I actually I made a choice very early on that I thought, well, I can either try and kind of copy my idea of what the original movies did, which was much more of kind of a formal, the camera didn't move a ton, and it was much more of kind of the, um, a much more formal type uh, type visual aesthetic, um, or I, I, I realized, you know, I we're going to take visual cues, lighting wise and design wise, from you know the previous movies, but I need to just shoot this movie the way that I would shoot a movie because at the end of the day, if I'm not engaged with it and I'm not trying to tell the story the way that really makes me excited, then it's not gonna be up there on the screen. So I kind of cut myself from loose camera movement-wise and shot-wise from trying to imitate the past and just tried to tell the story as, as exciting, as excitingly, is that a word? As I could up on the screen. Yeah? Thank you. Yeah. Yes, right here in the front. I just wanna say this is the best way to spend my birthday ever. Happy birthday! <laughs> My question is, I'm keeping the tradition alive. I asked the same thing. Um, for The Force Awakens, will we see Ewoks in this movie? <laughs> depends and possibly what, will they battle the porks? It depends what <laughs> drugs you take before you go in. <laughs> <laughs> take another question. Jenna, yes. <laughs> so there are way more female characters in this movie, certainly than the first three movies. Um, that's going to mean a lot to little girls. I want to know what it means to you guys. Great question. Um, I think, like, as a, as a girl growing up in London, obviously I knew there was a disparity in films, but I wasn't so aware of it. Like, growing up in a liberal household, I was never really made to feel any one way. So when I, like, 
like when I got involved, I didn't really like I knew it was a big deal, but the response was so beyond anything I could have imagined that I'm still like it, it was only afterwards that I was like, oh, oh yeah. And it's not like I ever took it for granted or anything, but it was just so monumental, um, the response and how people felt about it. And obviously that's a testament to Kathy, JJ, Michael, Larry, everyone who created the characters in the beginning. And I think what's great about everyone is it's not like she's a girl, this is a guy, this is anything. Everyone's just, it's just great characters that happily are falling into broader categories now. So I'm thrilled. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that um, it's, it feels like both an honor and a responsibility at the same time. I feel like from the beginning, um, when I initially found out I got this role, I just felt like I wanted to do the whole thing justice. Um, and uh, I'm so excited that, guys, the girls in this movie kick some butt. Every single one is so good. And um, I can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah. I just want to pay tribute to Ryan uh, for being one of the most brilliantly subversive filmmakers I've ever been able to bear witness to. And in the case of um, the look of my character, I was moved by the fact that he really wanted her strength to first lead with a very uh, deep femininity mm. and to see a, fe a powerful female character also be feminine. Mm. Um, yeah is something that uh, moves away from a stereotype that's sometimes perceived in strong female characters must be like the boys. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was a really interesting choice to get to witness. Gwen. Let's take another question here. Uh, yes, right Gwen. here in the front. Gwen, Gwen, Gwen. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to get on Captain Phasma's bad side. <laughs> Please. Um, I was so delighted. I wasn't cast in the first Star Wars film yet when I heard about the casting. And I was utterly delighted to see that there was a more representative selection of actors that were going to be in these incredible Star Wars films. And that has continued. And you know, everything that my amazing colleagues say is absolutely right. You get to see women that are not being strong just because they're acting like men. They're doing something else. And also you're seeing a developed character, or at least a developing character, that's showing some complex character traits. And I'm just delighted about that. I'm delighted that something as, as legendary as Star Wars has decided to be modern and to reflect our society more as it is. Mm. Very well said. Um, okay, yes, right here in the front. This question goes out to Daisy, Adam, John, and Oscar. Last Force Awakens, you were the new kids on the block. You had Carrie, Harrison, and Mark to set the tone and lead the way for you to step into these roles. You guys are now leading the way for a next generation of actors to come into the Star Wars world. How much did that place any kind of onus on you and any sense of responsibility in addition to that inherent to your performances? No. I, I, I don't think so in that I, the lesson that I learned from the first one from uh, Mark Carey and Harrison is the, 
is that not, not so much telling you, and, and other people that I've worked with, is not telling you what your experience is, is going to be because we're all different and we see the world differently. That's kind of an obvious thing, but kind of similar to the, almost the question before. It, it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to impose an idea on someone that you kind of don't know. It's, I think it's uh, everyone's relationship to, it, certainly within them, I would imagine, is, is different. And that's, that's kind of for them to discover. And it's almost more generous to, you know, um, give someone space to you know, make it personal to them. Uh, I'm not really sure what that means, but uh, <laughs> more that they, they, they weren't kind of, uh, let me tell you what it's going to be like, because no one really knows. And, and, and I, I think that they would say, even for them coming back to the movies, to, to this movie, after so many years that I think they, I mean, maybe Mark could speak better to this, that, that e even they have to figure out what it means to them. So uh, I think that's a very... They're kind of lead by example people. That's kind of what I'm avoiding uh, saying because it's so cliched, but it, it's so, uh, it's more powerful, I guess, when you see it in action. So I, I think that none, none, of, none of us took it upon ourselves to tell people what, how it was going to be for them because mm. we're not them. You know? mm. I, I don't know that that affected our performances in any way. I think everyone was just as equally terrified to, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, to figure out what, what we were doing. You know? you know, make sure we were looking at space and... Any others? Okay, we'll move on to the next question. Look at somebody in the back there. Yeah, gentleman with his uh, hand up, with his finger waving. Yeah, back there by the camera. <laughs> Hi, James Burns from Jedi News. Um, first of all, uh, Daisy, I can't help notice that you're wearing a very, very dark shade of lipstick. Um, um, question. <laughs> <laughs> you see. Obviously, yeah. Ray goes to the dark side. She's trying to say yeah, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shit. Question. <laughs> the question is: Is um, George uh, made um, the original trilogy uh, very much? We watched it through the eyes of the eyes of R2D2 and C3PO through the droids. And obviously here we've got R2 and 3PO and BB-8 and BB-9E. So do we continue to see the story through the eyes of the droids or are they just passengers on this adventure? It's, it's different. It, it, and it, it was different in The Force Awakens. It's different in this also. We don't quite have so much the hidden fortress kind of worm's eye view of the story that we started with in those movies. Um, and with this, it, yeah, it just... It, different story, had different needs, and so we are much more kind of with our leads the whole time. I, uh, I'll just quickly add, what I think is amazing about the film is that every character, I, I, I like don't have a big film knowledge or anything, so I'm not like, oh, this is, so I, I never understood the structure of what the Star Wars was and what anyone was trying to fulfill, so just as me watching it. Um, I think you really follow the story because you're with every character. Like everything, everything you need to see is happening on screen. You're not seeing things happen off screen that have happened off screen. So people are asking questions on screen. They're getting answers on screen. They're having their adventure on screen. So you're with everyone every step of the way. So how the story is unfolding. And I think it makes uh, for compassionate viewing because you're really understanding both sides, why people are doing the things they're doing and how it's being... Um, fed from everywhere and, and how things collide and, and the consequences of, of people's actions, how they're directly affecting other people. 
All right, we'll take another question. There in the back, the woman had her hand up. Right there, yes, you. Hi, I'm with Kathy with Bella Mommy, and I am a huge Star Wars fan, and I believe every movie we walk away learning something. And in this particular one, what is it that we will be walking away learning? Everyone's looking at me. Uh, again, I think that, I mean, sorry. I, again, I think that's a personal kind of um, thing. For probably some, it will be nothing. For others. <laughs> 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 on the poster. I've heard this said, and it's the best way that I can that I understand uh, how seeing uh, a movie in a dark room with people who are total strangers uh, kind of works, whether that be a play or or a movie. Is that no one lives in the theater; everyone has lives outside. Uh, well, I mean, hopefully, and then <laughs> there's a, a kind of collective intelligence that happens in the room. And what is rewarding about it is realizing that you all uh, are having a different experience, but at the same time, the same experience. And whatever your life is outside, whether whatever circumstances, whether it be death or drugs or, or, or birthdays, you know, or <laughs> yeah. have to be so dour. You bring into the theater, you know, and um, whatever is happening in the movie, obviously where you are in your life, I think, I think speaks to you in a different way than anybody else. So it's a hard thing to kind of blanketly say, I think you'll feel this because, uh, again, we're not you, you know, so uh, but that, that's, that's what I think. So may, may, potentially nothing is my opinion. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's so much a moral of the story, but Ryan, one of the things that you and I have talked about is that a, a, a theme that's throughout the movie, all the different storylines, is, is the perils of meeting your hero and living up to expectations. Is that... Is that one thing that maybe connects to her? That's question? definitely one of the things yeah, in it. I mean, it, it's, you know, I think these movies, to some extent, are always about, um, I don't know, to really boil it down. It's, you know, if you look back at, at Lucas kind of, you know, famously drawing from the hero's journey myth that Joseph Campbell wrote about. And the hero's journey is not about becoming a hero. It's not about becoming Hercules. It's about really adolescence. It's about the transition from childhood into adulthood and finding your place in the world. And you have these new powers that you're feeling inside yourself for the first time. You don't know what to do with them. You don't know who you're going to get help from, who's going to be unreliable, who's not navigating those very tricky waters that we all have to navigate. That's why it's so universal. So part of that is, is you know, your relationship to heroes and people you thought were your heroes, people you don't expect to become your heroes. Um, and that's definitely something that, that plays out in this film. Do you have any thoughts on that, Mark? Uh, having, having played the, the young farm boy who becomes a hero and now returned to that character all these years later, what, what journey, without obviously giving it away, but what, what arc is left for a, a guy who's been through what Luke Skywalker has been through? I don't think any line in the script uh, epitomized my reaction more than this is not going to go the way you think. And uh, Ryan pushed me out of my comfort zone as if I weren't as intimidated and terrified <laughs> to begin with. But I'm grateful because you have to trust someone and he was the only Obi-Wan available to me, <laughs> not only in my choices 
as an actor, but uh, my choice is in Sockware. Oh! <laughs> because up. Well, I was so embarrassed, I looked at my drab black socks and I said, curse you, Ryan Johnson. I'll get my revenge. You have learned well. Young you have a really line. nice blue sweater, though. Oh, thanks. Well, not on right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all on loan. It's going back Monday. All right, let's take a, another question. Yes, Geek Girl Diva. Hi there. Hello. Um, hi. <laughs> uh, so, Laura mentioned this a bit, talking about that you felt it was more of a, kind of an indie film sort of feel. And there's been a lot of questions, I'm just going to throw this to anyone, there's been a lot of conversation and questions about how this is like the other movies. What I want to know is, how is it, for you, how is it different than any of the other movies? It's longer. <laughs> not much longer, not much longer. I'm not asking for spoilers or anything, but just how did it feel different? Um, as an actor, I would, I would much more easily draw comparison of similarity. Because, mm. like, I mean, I, I'm sort of just speaking for me that I was, like, real new to this all, and it was first film and all that sort of stuff. And people, I've done smaller films now this year, and I'm like, genuinely, it feels the same. Like, the sets tend to be smaller. We're shot in Prague instead of London. But, like, it genuinely, it's a small, not a small feeling, but it's a small, it's like that family thing. So going into something could have been really scary, and being surrounded by people that make you feel really comfortable, for me, is, like, the only thing you can ask for. Because you can only do what you can do. If you're in a really safe environment, then you're able to do more. And coming back, like, it really felt... It, it was different, obviously, in ways, because the story is different. The characters are being challenged in different ways. But the crew was similar. Ryan... Uh, I think it says a lot about Ryan and our first Jamie, actually. Like, how a set is run is so incredibly important. And what JJ and Tommy did first time around, uh, Ryan and Jamie did this time, it's just a really happy set that everyone feels, I think, heard and respected. And, and so just like in an acting sense, taking everything away, I, I think the same feeling was captured of love and of everyone trying to work together to make this thing that hopefully other people will love. So I think, to me, like in, in a more an emotional <laughs> way, I think it did feel more similar than, than different. Fantastic, thank you. Hi, I'm Juan Fernandez from Nuevo Día, Puerto Rico. Uh, I wanted to talk, ask uh, the director, uh, to see you at the celebration and all the things that you participated, to see that you're a fan. So I wanted to know at what moment as a filmmaker, whether it was in the screenwriting process or shooting something, did you feel your transition from fan or felt ownership as a filmmaker of the Star Wars movie that you were making? Oh, I keep waiting for that moment to happen. <laughs> Even standing up here, I see the big Star Wars behind me, and I'm like, oh, do, we, do I belong under this? Yeah, it feels very... There's no, like, eureka moment where it's like, now I'm doing it. You're always riding that line between feeling like you're a fan who snuck in the back gate and is getting away with something, which I think is probably a good thing. I'm actually curious, I'd be curious to hear John, just because you're the biggest fan I know <laughs> in the world. I'm still trying to get over it, I can't lie, because I think what we forget is that when we filmed Force Awakens, it was about two years mm. between then, before we started on, on Last Jedi, and we went off 
obviously to do other stuff. And then when you come back, it just feels like you're, you're, you're back in school, you know? And, um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's fun. Every day was, was a new set. The practical effects, I think, like doubled on this, on this movie. The, the, the sets were bigger and it's, um, it's always exciting and amazing. But as everybody has said, you still feel uh, an intimacy um, when you're doing these, these scenes, you know? And independent with a big budget. You know what I mean? <laughs> big ass budget. A big ass budget. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else wanna? I love Oscar how you described yesterday all of us watching the roll at the top as the lights yeah. went down. Yeah. And even though all of us feel giddy that we're excited about being part of this, we suddenly you're an obsessed fan regardless. Yeah. That sounds great. <laughs> We're going to take one more question. Um, Jermaine. Hey, everyone. Um, obviously, the death of Han Solo is a huge uh, moment in The Force Awakens, and I'm wondering how impactful is that, without spoiling anything, to the characters who knew him in the last movie and the previous films? I think we're just keeping it moving, to be honest with you, man. <laughs> it's true. The pressure's on, man. You know, there's no, there's no time. I think that's the one thing that's unique to me about watching this movie was the, just the commentary on war. I think um, there hasn't been a Star Wars movie yet that has explored war in the way The Last Jedi does. It's very messy. Um, the, the, the categorizing of good and evil is, is, is just, it's, it's all mixed together. So it, you know, in terms of Han, there's no, you know, I'm sure we, we all feel sentimental if someone wants to sit Finn down or sit Ray down, but Ray's off training, she's got stuff to do. I've got a back injury, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think about Han at the moment. He done, so. I mean, I, I think it's reverberating, but he's right. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's a dire situation. Yeah. It's critical, the resistance is on its last legs. Uh, you know, they're trying to survive. First Order's right on top of us. You know, it's, it, the, everything is, it is like war, where you, you gotta just keep moving to try to survive. And so you feel, I think, the momentum of everything that happened in, in The Force Awakens just pushing and, and getting to a critical mass in, in, this, in this film. I will interject there, though. And I think this is the beauty of having uh, storylines that are sort of happening in tandem and affecting each other. Because I would say that Ray, at least, is, is very much affected by it. And I think, <laughs> like, in the... <laughs> what did I say? What did I do? Uh, in, in the first, like, Ray as a character has been alone for a really long time. And then, and she's really open to, like, love and friendship. So Finn and BB-8 come along and it's, like, this amazing adventure. And then Han, like, without, without trying to, she, she seeks something from him because there's an intimacy and there's a sort of figure of something she's never dreamed of for her um, that gets, you know, snatched away. And she's understanding everything's new to her, so she's understanding things in a different way. And, uh, and luckily for me, because I was trying to get to grips with everything going on, and then Ray's trying to get to grips with everything going on. So for Ray, at least, there is some time. Everything's moving forward, but she has some time um, to ask questions and wonder what it is that leads people to, would have led someone to do something like that. And also how that directly affects the world around her, because, uh, yeah, and then she, you know, she's worried about Finn at home, so I would say she's maybe a little more affected, um, uh, at least emotionally on screen, than, than the others. 
And I just want to say one thing, going back to one of the things about the, the question about you know the, the strong women in it, because I think as as a as a guy, I'd like to say that for me, the most formative people in my life have been women, and and so that has shaped my destiny destiny so much. And so to see that reflected in the film is really really a beautiful thing. And so and it does it is more true to real life and and what's happening now, but what's always happened, which is, you know, it's, they're, they're the ones, you know, that, that shape you. Leading the way. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking as the, uh, the leader of the First Order, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that uh, Snoke is very unimpressed with the fact that there is such a huge female force that seems to be growing in the universe. It's deeply threatening. It's deeply undermining. It's got to be stopped. It cannot go on. And there, this we see, without giving too much away, a little snatch of in this movie. Uh, <laughs> no explaining. Um, I'm going to wrap up the uh, wrap up the press conference. Going back to Jenna's great question about uh, 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 women in this film and in female characters in Star Wars in general, um, one of uh, well, for a long time when I was growing up, there was really only one character, and that was Princess Leia, now General Leia. And, of course, Carrie Fisher isn't here with us today, except probably in spirit, giving everyone the finger from back there. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to ask the, the women in this film about the impact that Princess Leia had on generations of young girls who were watching these movies, even though um, there weren't a whole lot... There wasn't a whole lot of variety for them. Uh, I think this is a character that, that spoke to them. And Gwendolyn, speaking as one of the as one of the uh, idols of the bad girls, <laughs> as uh, as Captain Phasma, um, what what role did uh, did Leia play uh, in your life as a young Star Wars fan? Well, she was very significant because I was first shown A New Hope when I was six, and I remember thinking, "Wow." That character's really different. I, I watched TV and film obsessively from such a young age, but it stayed with me throughout my formative years of, she's really interesting, she's really smart, she's really funny, she's, she's courageous, she's bold, she doesn't care what people think, and she isn't prepared to be told what to do. And she doesn't look the same as a sort of homogenized presentation of a woman that we had been used to seeing. So that was really instrumental to me as someone that didn't feel like they fitted that homogenized view of what a woman was supposed to be, that there was inspiration there, that you could be an individual and celebrate yourself and be successful without, without giving yourself over, without necessarily making some sort of terrible, huge compromise. Uh, so it was a, a big inspiration for me. And you know, to play a character as well from what we've seen in The Force Awakens, I was very excited when I was shown just the basic element of the costume. And here we were seeing a character whereby a woman wasn't, her femininity was not delineated in terms of the shape of her body, in terms of her physical attractiveness, those elements, that weird random group of elements which we're born with. It's some kind of odd lottery and then we're judged on in society. And I was just delighted to be able to have that opportunity. Any other thoughts? <laughs> Laura, how about you? Do, you? do you have any thoughts on the impact of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia in, uh, in, in pop culture in general? Well, endless. 
thoughts and uh, and also um, you know a profound impact that she made on me as a girl. I mean, spoken so beautifully by Gwen. So I I'll just speak to um, this present experience to say um, that as we always had with Carrie, not just Leah, her uh, wisdom. And you know, people speak about people who are brave or fearless. But beyond that, I've known, luckily, a few people that would hold those descriptions, but not that they would be without shame. And that's what moved me the most about the, the icon she gave us, but also what she gave us individually and personally, which is to carry who she was so directly and to be without shame and to share her story and to expect nothing less from any of us. Mm. And the privilege of watching how Ryan has so beautifully captured all of that and her grace and this amazing, beautiful, pure performance. But also, I think she found an equal uh, irreverent, subversive, and they had this dance that gives us this performance that I was just so moved by. Uh, well, how about uh, Daisy and Kelly? Any thoughts on the legacy of Leah and Carrie? Um, I don't think I can really follow that, except to just say <laughs> if um, uh, Carrie's daughter, Billy, is, I think, all of those qualities. Mm -hmm. uh, she's smart and funny and shameless and Always and wonderful. And I think if and I think if Carrie bringing up a uh, a daughter, obviously with Brian, bringing up a daughter who is all of those qualities and then some in this world, um, if that's what she did, you know, just her being her, uh, I think it speaks volumes to what she did as her in, in the spotlight and also her as um, Leia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with everything that was said. I think that I, something about Carrie that I really look up to um, is, and something I didn't realize until recently, was just how much courage it takes to truly be yourself when you're on a public platform or when possibly a lot of people will be looking at you. And she was so unapologetic and so openly herself, and that is something that I am really trying to do, and it's hard. Um, and just like Daisy said, like Laura said, like Gwendolyn said, I think that she will always be an icon as Leia, but also as Carrie. Um, what an example, you know? And uh, I am so fortunate to have met her, and uh, I think that she will really live on forever. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for all the wonderful questions and great audience. The cast of Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and we'll see the movie very soon. Very soon. Very soon. Woo! Thank you, guys. That was a HeadGum Podcast.